But for me, I wanted to wake up every day excited about what I was doing. And that was not something that I had in my job. And to be frank, I didn't really know what that looked like. And so one of the best things I did was look back on days where I did feel really fulfilled and engaged and kind of in that state of flow that so many people talk about. And it's days where I was collaborating with other people, where I was listening to and helping other people tell really interesting stories. It's times whenever I, you know, felt that my work was meaningful in in making an impact on other people. And so I think one thing I was looking for is just to have that experience again, to have that state of flow, a state where I felt really strong, really empowered. And so I kind of chased anything that felt like that and forgot about anything that didn't. And that really was my North Star. How do I get closer to days where time passed by really quickly and I felt really excited about what I was doing and I got to come home and when someone asked me how my day was, I got to say, great. And I I was excited to talk about what I was doing. So I can't say, you know, with any certainty that I knew exactly what that was, but I knew when I felt it and I just kept chasing moments like that. Welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast, a show about creative female entrepreneurs and the businesses they've built. I'm your host, the Lifestyle Edit founder, Naomi Ndudu, and each week I deep dive with a female founder on topics like business models and revenue streams, marketing and branding, building a team and scaling, and how they are managing to cultivate a life and business they love, and all on their own terms. Our goal each week is to take you on a narrative journey of the opportunities and challenges in business right now and offer insights you can immediately apply in growing or starting your business. Kate, welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I could not be more excited to be here. I'm so excited. I I sent Kate like a run through of all of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. Clearly, I'm really excited because there's a lot, there's a lot on the agenda today. Um, But just to give people a little bit of context, can you just talk me through your professional journey that kind of led up to you launching the business? Absolutely. So I, gosh, it seems like forever ago that this started or I started down Maven Lee's track, but it really started out of a need of my own. So I found myself after college at a job that I totally thought was my dream job all throughout college. I really wished that I could be a public relations professional and I pictured myself in the pencil skirt and the stilettos in a high rise building. And when I graduated college, I got that. I got this amazing job or what I thought was really amazing on paper. And, you know, within two weeks quickly realized that it was totally not what I thought it was. It was not the career that I had kind of dreamed about that I'd kind of heard about. And I felt completely paralyzed and lost. And so all I had known how to do up until that point is research. I had been in school all of my life. And so I kind of went back to what I knew best. And I started asking every woman I could, you know, about her professional journey, what about work she loved, how she found a job that she really liked. Did she actually like her job? Was this just all a ruse that I wasn't in on that you're not supposed to like work? I just asked them so many questions all throughout that really six months. I interviewed 
you know, a handful of women. And then I just started writing about it. I found that there were a lot of other women who were also struggling, also kind of had this dream career that ended up not to be um, the dream that they thought it would be. And so started sharing and, and Mavenly, you know, in its first iteration was a blog and I was just sharing my thoughts. And then I realized that more and more women were needing this content and wanting this content. So that really led to our podcast. And then our podcast led to workshops. And now, you know, we're a full blown coaching and branding business because we see how important it is for women to be able to communicate their value and get more of the work they want and take kind of the next step in their career. So that's definitely the reader's digest version, but it started with me being, you know, super unhappy in a career that I thought I was going to love. And I loved the people I worked with and I loved, you know, the clients I was working on, but the actual day to day just did not feel right to me. And I knew I needed a change. So that's what we help women do now is make that change and take that next step. How did that moment feel when you kind of had that realization that, yeah, this, this isn't necessarily the right, the right step for you because, you know, you'd put in the years in in college and, you know, you now have that job that on paper looks really amazing, but just maybe was not the right fit for you. For me, I, I, it sounds really silly, but I had to actually mourn that. Because it was like, yes. yeah, I put so much time and effort and, you know, just this whole idea that once you achieve this thing, then it's like, you know, you're now going to be happy forever and, you know, everything is going to be sorted. And then to get there and be like, oh, shit, like I have to totally recalibrate now was really scary. Oh, my gosh, I could not even put into words, describe, especially at the time. And even now, you know, five years later, it's still incredibly hard to articulate just how paralyzed and frustrated and let down I felt. It's almost like I felt like there was this big practical joke that everyone was playing on me because, you know, in college, I got all of the internships. I did all of the extra work. I, you know, was part of all of the extracurricular activities and I really, you know, crossed my T's and dotted my I's, I thought. And so this was supposed to be my reward. I had a job that I really liked. And, you know, one of the things I learned so quickly was that my success in college did not translate to my success in my career. And that felt like the biggest letdown, you know, frequently I would compare my cubicle to a coffin. I was like, I'm going to die here. Like I have no hope at all. (laughs) And this is just such a like depressing and sad situation. And the hardest part is, you know, on the outside, it doesn't seem that way. So it's not like I was getting a ton of like sympathy or, um, you know, anyone else really felt this agonizing feeling I felt inside. And I think that's why I had to turn to doing so much research because it was so clear to me that, you know, so many of these conversations weren't being had like they're being had now. And I really had no idea what to do because like you said, I went to college for four years. I I had focused all of my time and energy getting to this place. So to find out that it's not the place I wanted, it was completely devastating. What was some of the biggest takeaways that you got from those conversations with women? Yeah, I think one of the biggest and it's something that I still chat with my clients about and really anyone who listens to Mavenly is the importance of being able to communicate the type of work that you want and the type of work you definitely don't want. I think so often when we're graduating college, we just think, oh, I would be lucky to get a job or we just think about a certain industry that we think is appealing. But really being able to clearly articulate kind of the nitty gritty bits of what you're interested in doing and what you're not and then actually 
actually having the courage to speak up and ask for them. That is by far the biggest difference I saw between the successful women that love their jobs and the ones that were maybe successful but didn't love them or weren't successful in their careers. It was that ability to clearly articulate and communicate what you really want to see in your career and not being afraid of those conversations. That is by far the biggest thing that I learned. And it's interesting because there are so many similarities between our two journeys. Because I know the last time we spoke, one of the things that we both found was that, you know, as we were talking to more women about their professional journeys, we were getting so much amazing insights about the totality of their experiences, the highs, the lows, the challenges, those kind of sliding doors moments, but there just wasn't content that was speaking about that stuff too. Yes, absolutely. And that's what kind of boggled my mind. And that's why I'm so thrilled when I find women like you and platforms like yours, because I feel like I searched. I feel like I really found like maybe two or three resources that weren't even targeted to me specifically. They were targeted more to um, either a general audience or, um, you know, specifically to starting a business. And I really wanted to someone to speak to where I was in life, this idea that it felt like so many women had these stories that we weren't sharing because it wasn't, you know, it was the middle part of the rags to riches story, right? So like, maybe you didn't like your job at first and no one shared that middle part until they were like really successful. They shared kind of the, the tail end and it's like, no, no, no I want to know what's in the middle there. And I think it's so important to highlight that journey and give people actionable steps within that journey, because that's the place where I felt so lost. And I realized other women did too. We just weren't talking about it. Totally. And I know we, again, had a similar process of, you know, moving from just writing goals or things that we wanted to achieve to really focusing on how we wanted to feel. So what were some of the things that you were writing as you were kind of going through that transition? What was like the priority for you? Oh, my goodness. I think for me, you know, I had this baseline priority of providing for myself. So I wanted to make sure I had something that could, you know, sustain the lifestyle that I wanted to lead. But for me, I wanted to wake up every day excited about what I was doing. And that was not something that I had in my job. And to be frank, I didn't really know what that looked like. And so one of the best things I did was look back on days where I did feel really fulfilled and engaged and kind of in that state of flow that so many people talk about. And it's days where I was collaborating with other people, where I was listening to and helping other people tell really interesting stories. It's times whenever I, you know, felt that my work was meaningful in, in making an impact on other people. And so I think one thing I was looking for is just to have that experience again, to have that state of flow, a state where I felt really strong, really empowered. And so I kind of chased anything that felt like that and forgot about anything that didn't. And that really was my North Star. How do I get closer to days where time passed by really quickly and I felt really excited about what I was doing and I got to come home and when someone asked me how my day was, I got to say, great. And I, I was excited to talk about what I was doing. So I can't say, you know, with any certainty that I knew exactly what that was, but I knew when I felt it. And I just kept chasing moments like that, which ended up being exactly what you and I are doing now. It's telling these stories of women who have these great experiences that they want to share and can really help other women find their path as well. It's so funny because I was reading your the consulting website of, of everything that you guys are doing. And there was a part where you talk about the fact that, you know, this isn't a millennial problem because I feel like millennials get a really bad rap it's this oh my god I need to find purpose and you know like it's this this thing that is you know we're kind of 
very entitled, but we spend the majority of our time at work. Why would we not want to get joy from what it is that we're doing? Absolutely. And and so to your point, I mean, the fact that people pigeonhole this as a millennial problem is hilarious to me because I don't know anyone that doesn't want to feel good at work. It's just that millennials now have more options to do that. And so if we have the option, if we're scrolling through Instagram, if we're looking on the internet and we see that it's possible, like the question I always pose is, well, why not? Like if this person can do it, then surely I can. I just need to figure out the steps. And that's what I'm so on fire passionate about is How do we help women figure out those steps so they can leave the life they want to lead? I think so often when I talk to individuals who are in older generations that think millennials are spoiled or lazy or um, entitled, you know, they want the same things that millennials do. It's just millennials are going about getting it in a different way. And if you're going to, you know, pigeonhole millennials as the generation that wants to care about work, like I think there are worse things to be known for, for sure. Amen. Amen. So, okay. So you have this idea, you're creating this content. How did you know that this was actually a viable business? I love that you asked that question because I totally did not. It was my co-founder who came along and she comes from parents who are entrepreneurs. And she was kind of the one that tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hello, this is a business. People are willing to pay for the stuff that you're offering. And for me, you know, I still had that really naive kind of, you know, Western mentality that like work has to be hard. If it's not hard, if it's not grueling, if you're not like quote unquote hustling every day, then it's not work. So for me, there's no way this could be work. There's no way that this could be a business. Um, You know, I come from a family where everyone had a career that they had been in for 50 plus years. And then they just, when they stopped, they retired. And, and that's kind of how work looked like and felt in my family. And so to think of this as a viable business for myself was totally out of the question, but it was really my co-founder who pushed me and realized the importance of the work we were doing and how important it was that women invest in it for themselves. And so she was really the person that pushed me to make this a business and I couldn't be more thankful for her. Oh my God, you, you just touched on something that's so important about, yeah, that you think that a business or being successful means hustle and pushing. And it's, I never really thought about it, but I was listening to Jay, James Wedmore's podcast, Mind Your Business. And he, mm-hmm. that kind of comes up a lot in his conversations. And it's this whole idea that we feel like we should be going against the stream rather than go, going with it. And <laughs> success doesn't have to mean constantly pushing, pushing, pushing. When it's in alignment, it should flow. Right. And that's what's so funny. It's like we have this uncommon wisdom that like work should feel good and work should be in alignment with the things that we enjoy. And you actually do better work when that happens. And it's so funny to me to talk to older generations or other individuals in, you know, maybe a corporate space or in a space that's a little bit more traditional. And it's mind boggling to them that you could make money doing something you enjoy and you actually do it better because you enjoy it. So you make more money. And it's so crazy to me that like, this is a totally like uncommon in belief, especially in so many of our universities, colleges, schools, that, you know, we need to find that thing that maybe you're good at, but you really have to work at. It's like, why wouldn't we just think about the things that we are naturally inclined to do and really capitalize on that? 
that seems like it would make more sense. It's so true. And I was on a panel um, recently for Bumble Biz and one of the people in the audience said like, how do you feel that there are more kind of platforms that are popping up in the kind of career and entrepreneurship space? And my answer was exactly that, that for me, I wish that when I started my career, there was more visibility. I didn't know that starting a business was even an op- an option. You know, I didn't think of businesses in the way that we're running businesses today. I, I thought of it as those kind of bigger corporate structures and things like that. So I am so excited that there are platforms like Mavenly that are, you know, really kind of showing visibility that, you know, if you want to work in corporate, that's totally fine and we can support you. But if you don't, there are so many options out there for you too. Exactly. And one thing I like even more than, you know, hearing that, you know, people are doing work that they love, but, you know, there's this conversation that always comes up around, you know, competition or there's other groups popping up like yours. And I'm like, you know, really there isn't like even looking at the work that you do, it's so unique to your voice and what you've experienced and and the type of things you're going through. And I love, it's probably my favorite thing to consume other people's content in the space because we all speak from such different experiences that have themes but they are uniquely our own. And so I think it's so wonderful because to your point, it's showing other people what's possible. And I think everyone's story, especially in this space, is incredibly valuable. So true. So just to go back a little bit, what were some of the steps that you guys took to take take the business kind of from idea to launch? Yeah, absolutely. And I love getting really specific about this piece because I listen to podcasts all the time where they're like, and one day we just had a million dollars. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There's so much you missed in between that. So I love sharing with people, you know, our first year in business, we made negative $52. That is the honest truth. It was a lot of, you know, like putting things like throwing a spaghetti at the wall and just kind of seeing what sticks and nothing stuck at first. So we had a blog that we didn't want to put advertisements on. So that didn't work. You know, we, in terms of the podcast, we didn't really know at the time how to monetize it. So that wasn't a a revenue stream. And for us, the first way we started making money and turning this into a business was with workshops. And so what we did is, you know, we would say on our podcast or on our blog, Hey, if you're enjoying this content, we're going to be working through this in real time in one of these seven cities this year. And if anyone wants to come join us, you should. And we were actually pretty blown away by the response. They did not sell out immediately by any means. It was not like an immediate full house, but there were definitely women who saw the importance of coming together in person as a community and working through some of these really tough conversations. And we actually had real tools, resources, exercises that women could go through to take action on their professional and personal life within 24 hours. And so because of that, by nature of that, those conversations started to spread. Those people would go back to work. They would go to brunch with other women. They would meet up with their friends to hang out and they would talk about the experience they had with Mavenly at one of what used to be our Maven masterclasses. And that is honestly the best thing we did for our business is we traveled to all these different cities, hosted workshops for local women. And then those women really became ambassadors for us and led to so many of the clients we have now and a lot of the women that are coming to our conference. And so for us, you know, the key to success was really getting to know our audience audience in person, you know, in real time and making sure that we spent time understanding exactly what they needed. You know, we had our own experiences, like I said, but they were 
unique to us. We needed to hear what other women were struggling with. And we were able to kind of tailor our services and our curriculum specifically to what women around us were struggling with. And that's definitely, you know, the first step we had into making this a real business and something that I think set us up for success. Totally. And I love what you said, you know, and thank you for being so honest and sharing that, that, you know, you launch these workshops and it's not like they were selling out immediately. And I think that's something that no, no matter what stage in business we're in, I think we constantly need to remind ourselves that sometimes you just have to start. And I think because we're seeing what other businesses are doing and, you know, we're constantly seeing things on social media, we can be afraid to start because you're like, oh, well, that person's doing it and their conference was completely sold out. And that fear of the beginning stage can stop us from from starting. Absolutely. And I think so many times it almost did. You know, people look at our Instagram following now or our events now or, you know, our conference signups and they'll say, oh, wow, it's, you know, so successful. People clearly like this. That was not the case in the beginning. We would discount discounted tickets like that. That's where we were in our business. And so, you know, you have to start and you have to start sometimes with one person, with two people and just, you know, grow organically. But I think the thing that kept us going was we knew how important the work we were doing was otherwise we would have given up almost immediately i mean there's no you know there was no glimpse of success in the future that we saw there was not a ton of people signing up there was not even really a viable business model based on how many people kind of opted in but we just continued to harp on the fact that we knew this content was important and so we were going to find out whatever way to make it successful that we could so one thing that one of my favorite entrepreneurs sarah blakely who's the founder and ceo of spanx always said is focus on the problem and not the product. If we would have been in love with our product and just kind of selling, you know, whether it was the blogs or uh, the podcast episodes or the workshops, if we would have become too obsessed with our product, we wouldn't have seen that we could have solved the problem in so many different ways and in the ways we're doing it now, which was actually a much better fit for our audience. So we had to just become obsessed with the problem. And the problem was women weren't getting the tools and resources they needed to create a career that felt really good to them. And so that's what we had to become obsessed with, not our way of fixing it. Oh, I love that. I was watching a, um, a keynote speech that Jeff Bezos did, and he said something similar. He's like, what makes Amazon different to their competitors is lots of other people in that space are competitor focused. So they're constantly looking at what other people are doing. He said at Amazon, they are customer focused. They're obsessed with their customers' pain points. How can we make shipping faster? How can we make the experience more slick, more, you know, anticipating your needs? And when you're loving up on your customers like that, that's when your business starts to scale. And I remember when I first started even, I'd listen to these webinars and, you know, people would be saying that all I did in the beginning was just serve, 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 like list, mm -hmm. constantly listening, like what are the pain points? How can I give value and I remember at the time thinking oh my god okay again you know hearing the same thing but you know it's all well and good you saying that now with where you are and it's so now that I'm kind of on the other side I realized that the reason why I have a, a business that's still running is because I took so much time to really listen and just focus solely on you know where my audience was and how then I can create products or services that really help them with those kind of pain points. Exactly. Absolutely. You just have to be, you know, it sounds cliche, but you have to want to serve your audience above all else and create something that's really valuable. I mean, I think 
for me, that's where I see the divide between really like the dreamers and the doers, the kind of wannabe entrepreneurs and, and the real entrepreneurs is, you know, this idea that you just become so obsessed with adding value, with giving people something that works, that makes their life better, that enhances them in some way. And for me and, and my co-founder, if we weren't getting people the promotions they wanted, if we weren't getting people the raises they wanted, if we weren't helping people build the businesses that they wanted to be successful, why are we here? Like we don't deserve to be successful in this space if we can't do that. And so we became so obsessed with what is the best way to do that? And then selling became much easier when we realized our product was valuable and there were people who really needed it. I think when we talk about, you know, okay, well, how do we make it successful? How do we go and sell the products that we have? You know, if you really believe that what you have is life changing or value adding, it's the easiest thing in the world to sell because you believe in it. Totally. And on the flip side, what, how have you been able to deal with moments when you've tried something in your business and things haven't worked out to plan? Because I think I'm constantly having to teach myself, <laughs> remind myself that, you know, it's all about pivoting in business and experimenting with things and, and approaching it more from a place of curiosity so that, you know, if you do try something and it doesn't resonate, that's fine. You know, it's more about how can you use those opportunities to learn more about your customer rather than giving yourself a hard time about it? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, it's exactly what you just said. I think, you know, my middle name for the past two years has been pivot. It feels like, (laughs) I mean, there has just been, I mean, there hasn't been a week that goes by that I don't frantically text my co-founder at three in the morning saying, well, what about this? And, you know, not as many people wanted to opt in for this, but this could be something that's better for them. And they could do this over this amount of time. And, you know, she was saying that she would really rather this. Well, what do you think if we rolled this out to everyone who's already been to our workshops? I mean, constantly. And I think, you know, any good entrepreneur, if they're being really honest with themselves, you know, the goals stay the same, but the methods are always changing. I mean, even the most successful people, their business model is constantly evolving, constantly growing. If we're looking at, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, if we're looking at Jack Dorsey, if we're looking at Sarah Blakely, you know, she just released a new product. She's a billion dollar company. They're they're constantly changing, finding new markets and finding better ways to serve the people that are already loyal fans. And I think anyone should do that, whether you're being successful or you're, you know, not being as successful with a certain product, there's always room to be better and to do something more effectively. So, you know, you might not totally abandon an idea, but the best way to find the things that work is to, again, just become so obsessed with adding value. And I think that process never really stops. So what are some of the key metrics that you're constantly looking at in your business and how frequently are you checking in on those metrics? Yeah, great question. So for our coaching clients, we actually allow them to set their own measures for success. So our very first consultation with any of our clients is what will success look like at the end of our time working together? So we don't put those goals and expectations on our clients ourselves, we say, you know, what would success feel like look like to you? And those are constantly the metrics that we're looking at in our businesses. One, how many people are coming to us for the same type of thing that we might be able to streamline or offer people at, you know, a wider scale. And then, you know, are there things that we're not able to offer people and who else do we need to bring into the fold to make sure that we can cater to people's needs and serve them properly? And so I think, you know, and and sometimes that's, you know, 
easy to fall back on. Oh, everyone just gets to set their own metrics and, you know, you measure yourself. But I think really people's careers are unique as the people themselves and people want different things. It's not correct to assume that everyone's looking for, you know, a step up or promotion. It's not correct to assume everyone's looking for a raise. It's not correct to assume everyone wants to work from home and travel the world. You know, some people don't want any of that. They want something completely different. And so for us, it's so truly listening to our clients and then making sure everyone that comes in the door meets 100% of their goals or they get all of their money back. And I think for us, that's the most important thing we can see because almost 80% of our business is referral, which to us is a metric that, you know, our clients are happy and satisfied and they're letting their friends know that. And that's the most important number to us. A quick break from today's show to talk to you all about our sponsor, Breather. Breather offer dedicated workspace in great locations in cities like London, LA, New York, San Francisco, Toronto, all without the big monthly price tag. So think beautiful spaces minus membership fees or commitment. All you need to do is pay by the hour or by the day and reschedule or cancel for free for up to two hours before your reservation. For more information, just head to breather.com. So what's your current revenue splits between your different um, revenue streams? Yeah, that's a really great question. So by and large, our biggest revenue generator is our private clients. So we have two coaching programs privately. One is called the career upgrade and the other is called the brand upgrade. And so that's where you work with us one-on-one to either craft a brand around a business you're creating or already have kind of a revamp or, you know, as the name says, an upgrade for that brand or, you know, private career coaching services. If you're looking for that next step, that next level in your career, you're going to work with my co-founder. She is an organizational psychologist and she is the best I've seen at career coaching and working with people privately one-on-one to get the results that they want. So that is by far our biggest revenue generator and revenue stream. The next is definitely our e-learning. So we have three products that we have for our e-learning. Our biggest is called Career Clarity. So that's a month-long self-guided course where you work yourself through the modules that we work with our private clients on, but you just don't have that one-on-one attention. So if there's someone who's motivated that wants to make the change and they want to work through those modules to get results, career clarity is definitely the experience for them. And that's definitely our second biggest revenue generator. And then we actually, you know, in terms of in-person live events, those are really just opportunities we see for people to engage with us. So those are actually probably our least biggest revenue generators. Um, If anything, you know, a lot of times on in-person events, we break even. We do it just so that people can have that initial experience where they're seeing the value of the work that we're producing and and what we're providing. And so, you know, kind of in that order is definitely, um, you know, in terms of our revenue, you know, the coaching, then the e-learning, and then the in-person events. But so frequently in-person, people realize how valuable the services are. So they become one of those clients, either for our e-learning, um, courses or our coaching programs. So the conferences end up being almost like the top of your funnel. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, that's so frequently why, you know, we encourage people to bring their friends, bring other people who haven't heard of Mavenly or been to a conference like that before to come because they end up seeing the value in either working with us through an e-learning module or the coaching courses. But I think probably at the top of that funnel above the conference is Instagram in our podcast. Clearly that's the easiest, you know, way to come into that funnel. So 
how yeah so let's talk a little bit about the podcast because you're now what 113 episodes in how do you see the podcast as being part of that kind of bigger business um goals how easy is it to track you know how many leads are coming from the podcast yeah you know what it's getting harder and harder to track what leads actually come from our podcast we know that you know the majority of our audience listens to our podcast but we're not sure if they hear about the podcast and then consume our other content or vice versa and so frequently when we get on the phone with people who become clients or end up buying you know some type of service or e-course um they say they found out about us through our website, um, which means either our podcast took them to our website and, and, or, you know, someone referred them directly to the website. But I think many more people come from our podcast than we actually have the numbers for. No, that makes a lot of sense because podcasts, they're not cheap to run. How have you made it make sense for you? I just have to like right now, just brag a ton on our Patreon subscribers. So we have a Patreon account, which is premium content for anyone who listens to our podcast. So if you like the content on the podcast, you can subscribe anywhere from two to $25 to our Patreon account and you get access to exclusive episodes and content, but then you also get awesome goodies from us in the mail. And our Patreon subscribers have gone above and beyond. They actually, this past month paid for a whole new studio set up for us wow. we got yeah new mics like uh, new cables new recording equipment and actually our not our most recent but uh our first episode of 2018 we just basically you know bragged on them the whole time because our podcast is actually so much better because of the people who have actually invested in making the podcast really great. And so our Patreon subscribers are 100% the reason why we do what we do. And they kind of keep the the train on the on the track for sure. That is incredible. Um, what are some of the things that people should know before starting a podcast? Make sure that you have something to say consistently. <laughs> I think that, you know, when I talk to so many people about a podcast, they have two or three episode ideas. And then beyond that, there's there's nothing really that they have an idea for in terms of content. So I think, you know, ask yourself the question, like, do I have enough content to make this sustainable? And am I actually adding value? And, and do I have the means to make this something that people want to listen to? I think it's easy, you know, when it's late at night and you're talking to your friends to think about idea and think, oh, this would be a great podcast. But, you know, <laughs> is this something that other people besides just your friend actually want to listen to? And a lot of times the answer is yes. You know, there's tons of podcasts that, you know, aren't exactly my cup of tea, but for other people, it's really great, awesome content. But I think really making sure that you have one the content for consistency so constantly you have new ideas to talk about and put new content out there but then also there's a market for what you want to talk about because if no one's listening then you're probably wasting your time totally and it's like with any other content it's that 20 80 rule like 20 percent is the the content itself and then you've got 80 percent with the marketing and getting it out there what's been your strategy for for kind of spreading the word about the podcast especially because it's such a instrumental part of your your funnel 
Absolutely. And this is kind of like the best kept secret of our podcast growth because people come up to us, you know, we started with probably a year out of our podcast, we had 3000 subscribers and now we have close to 85,000 subscribers and people are like, whoa, what happened? How did that like huge jump happen? And really what we did is we figured out the iTunes algorithm and how people were searching for podcasts. And so originally we were the Mavenly podcast. And as you can imagine, if people don't know us directly, they're probably not searching for Mavenly in iTunes, but tons of people searched the words women and work. And so we changed the name of our podcast to Women, Work, and Worth because anytime someone typed in women or work, we would be one of the top five podcasts to pop up. And so that skyrocketed our success. And I give so many people that tip is think about your audience. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about content. I'm talking about how do they find you more easily? What are the places they're going to? What are they actually physically searching to find content like yours? And you need to be there. You need to show up in whatever that search is. So when you made the name change, what was, how are you letting people know? Because I think there'll be people feeling like, oh, are people going to not know how to find me if I change? What, what, What did you do to prepare for that? Yeah. So we actually still have, it's now the Women Work and Worth podcast brought to you by Mavenly. So Mavenly is still the author. So if you went and searched Mavenly in your iTunes search bar, you would still find us. And then the great thing about podcasting is people subscribe to their podcast. So the, you know, cover art changed and the name changed, but we were still on their phone and in their subscriptions, which was really helpful. And I think so many people, instead of having the reaction of like, Oh, a change, like what, where do I find this? They were like, whoa, we love the name, you know, worth is definitely the reason why we come here to feel, you know, valuable and to find out how we can get more worth out of the work that we're currently producing. And so this is a really exciting change because the name meant something to them. So it wasn't just good SEO, but it was really a reflection of why the content is important. So even though, you know, we were definitely hesitant at first, oh, we're going to do a name change and and what's that going to look like? You know, we got nothing but positive responses and everyone who went and did search Mavenly can still find us, which is really wonderful. That is such a wonderful tip. I'm even taking notes right now. Like, yeah, that's a really good one. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And since you are like 113 episodes in, what have been some of the biggest takeaways? I know that's so hard because there've been so many great, great kind of topics and guests. What have been some of your biggest takeaways? You know, one thing that I've found really gratifying, and it's probably my biggest realization that I've really enjoyed is that whatever you're interested in, other people might be interested in it too. So there are times where we have episodes where we're like, you know, this is just something I've really cared about for a while, or there's this poem that I really want to read on the podcast this week that I think is just going to, you know, really hit home with some of our audience members. And almost a hundred percent of the time we're right. There's someone who comes back and says that episode was really meaningful for me, or I really needed to hear that. And oftentimes it's things we needed to hear ourselves. And so whether it's a podcast with my grandpa, which has totally happened, I've had my grandpa on the podcast as a guest, or if I'm reading an excerpt from a book, there's always someone who reaches out and says, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you so much for putting that on the podcast, which has been absolutely amazing to see. Yeah, it it's, it's so rewarding because I think you know, with any business, very often you're so kind of head down in it, just Mm -hmm. getting something like a DM on Instagram to someone say that, you know, that's exactly what I needed to hear or, you know, a story of how they've been able to use what you said in, you know, a a short podcast episode and how that's made an impact in their life. It, 
it makes such a huge difference because sometimes you can kind of get into your entrepreneurial bubble. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm recording, it's like, okay, so this is going up to my mum and my best friends. Um, <laughs> you forget that actually, you know, you're going out to this huge tribe of people and, you know, you're adding value to their lives. Absolutely. And we joke all the time. I'm like, in ranking order, my favorite people <laughs> are people who tell me that my podcast content is great, then my family, then my, you know, it's like, it's like they are like when I get a private message that something I said on the podcast resonated with someone or, you know, they decided to go and finally ask for that raise because they heard the negotiation podcast we did. Like there is nothing like I'm talking like birthday, Christmas, New Year's, Halloween, all combined, like not even close to getting that message, like getting that validation that the work you care so much about matters to other people. There's nothing like it. Oh, I love that. And I, I, I love that you are so driven by, you know, your community. And that was a great segue into what I wanted to ask you next, because I think sometimes this, especially as a service based business, it can be quite challenging because, you know, your the whole reason why you launch this business is to serve this, this community. But in order to have a sustaining business, you do need to, to sell products to them. Um, how do you balance it so that, you know, you're giving it's a mix of free value so you're not constantly selling to your audience and I think just to further that it's how do we move away from this kind of feast and famine cycle that a lot of service-based businesses kind of fall victim to Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this I think you know there's something to be said about free content and you know things that we're putting out and producing every single week but for me I really see those as reminders and in in terms of the value I'm getting and I don't know about you but for me whenever I've had insane drastic growth or I've seen a real positive change in my business it's when I've invested in myself monetarily it's whenever I've said there's this course I really want to take that I'm going to spend you know x amount of money on there's an expert that can show me how to streamline my business. I'm going to spend the money, do what it takes to make that investment. And then making that investment financially makes me raise myself and my standards, raise myself to the challenge. And I become the person that I need to be for that business to work. And so that's what I try and share with my clients all the time. If you are serious about a change, if you really want to make a change in your career, in your brand, if you want to take it to the next level, the best way to have that peak moment, it's what we call a forcing function, is to invest in yourself, is to put that money down and tell yourself, I'm putting the time, I'm putting the money, I'm putting the resources, I'm getting the right people to invest in this. And I defy you to see a change not be made. And so for us, it becomes, like I said, really easy to have people come who are driven and ambitious and want that change to then become clients because we believe so much that if you make that financial investment, you're going to see that change. You financially committed, you are ready to make that change. And we're seeing that by you financially investing, by you saying, this is important to me and I'm putting every resource I have into this. So I believe you're actually doing your clients a favor whenever you charge for your services because it makes them take it seriously and they actually get results. In fact, Tony Robbins says that all the time. He's like, I feel sorry for the people that come to my events that don't pay because I know they're not getting as much out of it. It's so, it's so true. It's so true. And I've even, I've even noticed that when I do a, you know, a free discovery session, the level of commitment when something is free to when they've actually paid for it is, is completely different. So 
it, it's so true. It really focuses people's thinking and they come up like really ready to kind of learn and put everything into something when they're, they're getting that, that money come out of their account. It's true. Absolutely. I mean, it's so funny. We'll be at events where we have, we had used to, have, like I said, have those Maven masterclass groups. And there was a woman who came to that event from Columbia, the, you know, a, a different place had to pay like a thousand dollars to come. She ended up selling furniture to come to our event. She was like selling her possessions to be able to come. She left that event and got a $20,000 raise because of the content we taught her. Other people in the room got the same content. They heard the same thing, but because she made such a sacrifice, because she doubled down on that investment and said, I'm selling furniture. I'm taking an overseas flight. I'm going to be in this room and get the most out of it that I can because I've paid to be here and I've sacrificed to be here. You are going to 10X that investment. And I see it happen all the time in my business included. You know, I pay people tens of thousands of dollars to help me with my business. And then I do exactly what they tell me. And I go above and beyond with the information they give me. And I end up, you know, tripling that investment because I actually really care and really listen to what they're telling me. It's kind of that gym membership analogy. If you're paying $5 a month to go to a gym and you don't go work out, oh, no big deal. But if I'm paying $200 a month to go to the gym, you better believe I'm getting my butt <laughs> there and I'm working out and my body's going to reflect that. So it's like, why even pay the $5? You know, just go all in, make the best investment you can and you will see results. I know you will. You are so right. I literally got chills hearing you say that because it's, <laughs> it's, it's exactly what happened to me. It's about as much as it, First of all, it's about cultivating an investment mindset. But I think the underlying thing is saying that you're worth it. Yes, absolutely. Amy, I could not have said it better than that. It's just believing that you deserve the business that you want. If you can dream up a career or a business that you want, know that it's possible. Know that the universe would not allow you to think of it, dream it up, imagine it if it wasn't available for you. And I guess part of it is that Everything that exists now did not at one point exist. It needed someone who could see beyond the limitations of what was already in existence in order to do it, right? Absolutely. And I know for a fact that there are people that look at your platform and say, oh my gosh, she has these glamorous pictures and she already has this great following and she already has these things. Well, that's because one day you decided to do it. You know, you invested in yourself. You said, I'm worth it. I know I have something valuable to share. It's not like you were born with, you know, an Instagram following and a podcast and beautiful clothes and like a great photographer. Like you had to seek these things out. Like everyone who's at the level you want to be made decisions to be there. No one was given that thing. So if you think, oh, I can't or I'm not the person for that you're the only person stopping you from that. Everyone else who's in the place you wanted to be at one point just had to say, I want that and I'm going to go for it. Yes, 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 yes. And this is why I am so excited to be joining you at the conference in July. Ah! I am so, so excited. So what can people expect? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. I could not be more excited. And this is just a testament to the person you are and a testament to all the women who are joining us. You know, within a week of us reaching out, we had 10 women, 10 of the most impressive women that I've met immediately confirm no question because they understand how important this work is. They understand how valuable this content is. So we're going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, 
on July 28th. And we really have a whole weekend plan depending on what type of investment you want to make in yourself. If you want to come on Friday, we're going to have a meeting of the Mavens cocktail hour. So you're going to be able to network, get to know other women before the conference actually starts. I feel like it's always a great idea to go into a conference knowing a couple of people. And so there's nothing better than cocktails to kind of help, you know, lubricate that conversation and make sure that you walk into the next day feeling like you already had that tribe and that team. And so, you know, Saturday is going to be a full day of what I call inspiration station. So it's going to be these amazing powerhouse women sharing the nitty gritty details of how they got to where they are, how they became successful. And, you know, it's some of the most impressive women that I've met. And it's the reason why I've invited them to join us. And so it's just going to be back to back to back conversations, panels, talks of just all the information you need to take that career and that step to the next level. And so that day, you know, there's not only all of the like food and goodies that you would need that are going to be there, but you're also getting headshots. You're also getting networking opportunities. And then Sunday, we have this amazing day planned of yoga with one of our favorite local yogis. That's absolutely amazing. And then we have a brunch and a private town hall for any of the attendees to ask any questions and get answers from our experts that they want. So you're going to be able to have exclusive time to just ask all the questions you want, get all the resources you need to then go home and really make an effective change that has lasting value on your career. So it is going to be a jam-packed weekend. You know, the full day is just Saturday, but we definitely have a few goodies on Friday and Sunday, but I could not be more excited for July 28th. It's going to be amazing. Yes. I'm so, so excited. And that's the perfect way to wrap up because as creative entrepreneurs, you know, we're never short of ideas of what we could be doing. How do you decide um, and kind of focus on what to invest your time and manpower on? So for example, how did you create your plan for 2018? How do you distinguish between your must do's and it would be nice to do? Yeah. So one thing we've started doing, you know, those first two years in business, clearly we did not do that. We were all over the place and could not focus our time. And, you know, once we got focused, we realized that our sweet spot was really in the middle of the Venn diagram of what's going to make the largest impact for our audience and what do we actually love doing? I think so often we look at one or the other, we only do what we like, or we only do what's going to have the largest impact on the most amount of people or financially going to have the biggest impact. And for us, it really has to meet in the middle. So we start with how do we want to feel in our business? What's the thing we did in the past year in the past 12 months that's felt so good. And we write that down on a list. And then we look at that list and say, okay, how can we make the biggest impact doing this? So for us, instead of doing work, workshops of 30 people, you know, we're going to have a huge conference. We have a lot of people that have already committed to coming to Atlanta, and it's going to be far bigger than any other event we've ever held. And for us, that's how we make the largest impact is we have this one staple event where we put all of our tools, all of our resources, all the amazing women like yourself in one room to share their insights and wisdom at a big group gathering. That's how we kind of maximize and optimize our impact. And so I think for anyone who's looking to plan out their year and really focus on the things that matter, look at the middle of that Venn diagram and say, how can I make the biggest impact doing something that I really care about? And in the middle is your answer. Oh, Kate, thank you so much. I am like, I am feeling so amazing because you've just, you've just shared so many actionable things that people can really take away and start implementing in their lives and their businesses straight away. So thank you so much. Finally, how can people connect with you and continue to, to receive all of this goodness? 
Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. You know, the place that's kind of the catch-all is our website. So that's www.mavenly.co, not .com, but .co. People can also find us on Instagram at mavenlyco. And if you want to listen to our podcast, and you will be coming on that very soon, (laughs) which I'm so excited about, but you can search the Women Work and Worth podcast on iTunes, or you can search for Mavenly and it'll also pop up and you can subscribe there. And if you're enjoying this content, I know that, um, you know, that content is very similar so we would love to see you over there thank you kate thank you so much this has been amazing so that's it for this week's episode of the lifestyle edit podcast you can download more episodes of the show and subscribe in apple podcasts or itunes if you enjoyed what you heard we would love a review or recommendation it's the number one way for us to share these stories and insights with as many creative female entrepreneurs as possible and don't forget all of the information on how to join the tle community is in the show notes or simply head to the lifestyle to sign up